Welcome to Making Sense of Parenting. This show is dedicated to helping parents change chaos, confusion, and struggle into calm, clear connections with their kids, all in a way that aligns with their faith. Hey there, I'm your host, Kelly Shoup, helping you navigate the bumpy road of raising kids. Let's dive into today's topic. there. Are you having trouble making sense of your child's misbehavior, meltdowns, and tantrums? Today, we are going to dive into, we're actually on part six of understanding your child's sensory system and your sensory system and how they can contribute when you interact with your child to um, what you interpret as misbehavior or bad behavior. So let's get started. Okay, Um, if you are just finding me here, I'm Kelly Shoup. I am a longtime parent coach, pediatric, occupational therapist, mom of three teenagers, and I am on a mission to help parents understand what their child's behavior is actually communicating to them. And often it is not what the parent thinks that the child is saying, that the child is really saying. So again, on a mission to help parents have better connection that really um, plays out throughout the life of the parents and the children. Like I am always playing a long game. I am always thinking about helping parents do something today that sets them up for success and connection and a great relationship with their child on down the road. And so understanding what a child's behavior mean is is critical at, at all times, but especially when kids are really young, because we want to establish a good pattern. We want our kids to trust us. We want to know what they're saying, make sure our kids feel safe, that they feel secure, that we are meeting their needs. And so discussing, today we're going to talk about taste and smell. These are two of the senses of each person's sensory system. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you will often hear about the five senses everywhere else. Also, you hear about the five senses of taste, touch, smell, hearing, and sight or vision. But there are actually three more, two of which we've already discussed. Body uh, awareness, which is the proprioceptive sense, and then vestibular or movement sense. And next week, we're going to cover the interoceptive sense. That's our last one. But hopefully, you are learning so much about your child's behavior that has to do with the senses. And again, in the young ages of three to eight, when a child's body is growing and changing and developing so quickly, and all of the systems in their body are, that birth to six is a huge growth time. And so this is when there are lots of little kinks, lots of little hiccups, lots of little glitches in the system. 
Now, I call it a kink in the hose because oftentimes there's no um, impairment of a sense that a child has. Again, it just is kind of glitchy. Like the information that's coming into a child's body through their different senses, their brain is interpreting it in a way that seems a little odd or there's something a little off. So often parents have to do a few things to help their kids, to support them, to give them what they need, to feel safe, to function well, no matter what environment they are in. And then usually around eight or nine, a child's sensory system has integrated with the other systems in their body, their muscle system, their posture system, their cardiovascular system, their emotional system, their mental and intellectual system. Like there's so many senses. God gives us such, um, he created such an incredibly complex, sophisticated human body. And so we want to work with the flow and the creation that God has given us because it's easier for you as the parent. It's easier for a child to learn and grow. So we're going to get right in with that flow of the creation that God made, but we're going to know it can be glitchy. And the other thing we know in how God created us is that we are all unique. So my sensory system doesn't look like yours, doesn't look like my kids. Every single human on the planet has a different makeup in all of their systems. So I often have parents who will say, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And it's become one of the phrases I I really least like because that parent doesn't live inside that child's body. So to the parent and in their sensory system and all the makeup, all the systems of their body, whatever is going on could feel completely fine to the parent. So then the parent is saying to their child, you're fine, but it's really based on I'm fine. My systems are fine. So why can't yours be fine? Yours should be fine. You're fine. Let's go. And so, um, again, I'm super intentional about this. And when parents understand their sensory system, their own, and also their child's, it makes the meltdowns, the tantrums, the misbehavior, most of it will kind of dissolve. Or if there are lingering things, Let's address them. But now we know it's it's not a sensory. It's not a nervous system issue. It's not a safety system issue. And so I don't want to override how a child is feeling because God created them with a unique makeup that is built in to protect itself automatically. So... Um, in regard to taste. Taste is such a big one and it's such a battle with parents. Oh my goodness, my child is such a picky eater. You don't understand. Only eats two things. We battle all the time. And this again could be a child who just has a super sensitive sense of taste. And so putting all these different things in their mouth is alarming to them and feels unsafe. But 
in my over 20 years of working with so many kids and families and parents and lunchroom staff and daycare teachers and preschool workers, 90% of every child I know does not want to have a battle over food. They dread all the meals and having to sit at that table and have their parent tell them, you need to eat this. You're fine. This tastes good. And for some reason, the message that their body is sending them is, this is not okay for me. And so I want kids to understand themselves well. I It's one of my ultimate goals is for every child to know themselves so well, because it honors God when a child who is designed intentionally by God knows themselves and can operate from that. Like, I can't eat this. I know it seems weird, but this doesn't taste good in my mouth because God designed us to automatically try to take care of ourselves. And so this is what I see the majority of kids doing. They are trying to take care of their body in the best way that they know how. And so when they are told by parents, you're fine, eat this, this is good, they learn to override that safety system that God put in them to take care of them. And so they suddenly start to be really confused because their body is saying, oh no, this is not safe, could be a smell. And so there's an alarm going off in their brain, not good, not good, danger, or in their taste, something's unsafe here, this feels weird, I can't swallow this, this tastes gross, when they need to listen to that in all of their senses, because it informs them about who they are. So when they constantly override their smell, their taste, their touch, some of their other senses too, they're like, okay, this feels off, this feels alarming, yet mom is telling me it's fine. It's a mixed message. And what they will learn is that they cannot trust their body. When their body says, this is not good, I don't want this, this is sending off an alarm in my body, but mom's telling me I'm good and mom's making me eat everything on my plate till I'm done, then they learn to override the way that God has created them. And so that's what I help parents understand is let's look at all these senses and all these systems in their body, how they're working together, and let's get to the heart of it and figure out, okay, is this a sensory thing? Can we help do certain things to help these kids? And a lot of times we can with young kids. A lot of times we come up with some solutions by eight or nine, that sensory system is working well. With all the other systems of the body, kids can communicate what they need. If they need a little bit of help, we can give them strategies and solutions and help them self-advocate. I need this, like my hearing's stressed, or I can't go into that room. I can't go into that chemistry classroom because of the smell. There's something in there that is super strong. So that's what I'm always working to help Mm. parents and kids get set up for success and for just, um, you know, functioning in whatever environment they are in. Okay. We are going to talk about taste 
and smell together because they work together. Okay. And we're, I'm going to give you just quickly a little bit of information about it. Then we're going to talk about what this can look like if you have a child who has a sensitivity in their taste or their smell. And then I'm going to give you lots of solutions today in what to do if you have a child who is sensitive in one of these areas. Okay. So one of the first things I want you to know is just that that old faction or smell. So that sense of smell is the oldest. It's located in the primitive part of our brain. And so it is the most primitive system in getting a human to register that something could be dangerous or alerting us to something that could be harmful to um, to our person. So this goes back, you know, years and years and years and years. And so that smell actually has connections in your brain from basically your nose right to a part of your brain, whereas other senses of, um, let me see here, vision, sound, some of the other sensory systems, they make longer kind of neural pathways to get to your brain to register a reaction. But that smell, no, you smell something in and it hits that old part of the brain that's like, what do I do? This could be dangerous. This could be alarming. So that's why for kids who are very sensitive in their smell, they are incredibly stubborn. So I will have parents say to me like, oh my goodness, we could not even go in this grocery store or this restaurant or this because my child was like, you know, barricaded across the outside of the store would not go in. What in the world was that strange behavior? Okay, this is a child who is incredibly sensitive in their smell and whatever the front door of that store, when it opened, they smelled something that all of a sudden, so fast, they couldn't override it. They didn't even think about it. This is automatic. It's going right in their nose, right to their brain that's saying, danger, do not go in there. So this child is throwing a huge fit and they are not being agreeable. They're not going with the flow. They are not being a team player. If you have three other kids and it's 105 out and you have three things to get and your one kid is like hanging onto the bricks outside the door. So can you see how these kids, you know, we label them as bad and not being agreeable, not going with the flow, not being a team player. When this kid cannot control it, he did not make his nose sensitive. I promise you, he did not. So let's try to find a way to help him to show up differently, to go to the store without him. There's so many solutions that I help parents with all the time. Okay, so the other thing about the nose and the sense of smell is that it is directly connected to emotional responses and our emotions. So if you are trying to sell your house, um, a lot of realtors will tell you um, right before you're going to have an open house, bake some cookies because that smell of fresh baked cookies appeals to a person's emotions 
of hominess and coziness and warmth and love. And so just that smell alone will register quickly like, oh, I like this house. So that sense of smell is very important. And if you have a child who is sensitive to it and you are not, you you're, um, you don't get it. A lot of times you can be like, oh, you're fine. At the gas station, the smell of gas can be very disturbing to kids. So they don't want to get out of the car at the gas station. And you're telling them, we've got to go, you know, help me. We're going to pump gas. So I'm hoping again, just to shed another perspective and to give you parents just new eyes to see your kids differently. And I help parents with this all the time. And usually after they've taken the sensory quiz, so on my website at kellykshoop.com, you can take a free sensory quiz. I recommend parents take it, all kids take it for your kids, just gives you better understanding. But when you understand your child's sensitivities, you're like, oh my goodness, like light bulbs, aha moments, your child's kind of baffling, confusing behavior you're like, I get it. I get why when we went here at this particular time, their nose was sensitive. And so they were so upset. So parents then understand it's not about them. It's not personal. This is a God thing. God created us uniquely. So we can help our kids and feel better about that. Okay. So smell, we talked about that. The Smell and taste work together as one system. The two senses together, so smell and taste, give, um, again, will alert a child that a food could be dangerous. And so this, a lot of times, is just one of the biggest hiccups or hurdles with kids and eating. And again, I... um, spend so much time helping parents figure out simple things that they can do for mealtime, not to be a battle for these kids to get food that they can tolerate, that does not feel disturbing, upsetting, alarming for them to eat, to get nutrients and to get nutrition. But it's not, it's not going to be a stressful way for you. And it's not going to be in a um, stressful, um, alarming way for a child either. Okay, so here is what, if you have a child who is an under-responder or over-responder, so we've been talking all along about the sensory system and how each person is inclined to have one sense or another sense that can be an over-responder or under-responsive, under-responder in regard to how it registers the information or the input that comes into our body. Okay, so if you have an over-responder and an over-responder is somebody who very easily can get overloaded with this particular sense. So it doesn't take very much of a smell. It doesn't take very much of a strong taste, let's say a taste of like rosemary or something on a potato, but people who experience over-responsiveness takes very little seasoning and then they're like, ooh, that is a strong taste. So these kids 
or these people will talk about smells a lot. Again, they will talk about the taste of things, just very extreme. Like, oh, that was so sour. That pickle was so sour. Or, oh, that cupcake, like the frosting was just so sweet. I can't take another bite. So if you have a child who is over-responsive in their taste or smell sense, these are some things that you could be hearing from them. So when we pick up on these clues, it's going to help us. Okay. These are also kids. They do not like new foods. They have a very limited list of foods that they will eat. So again, over-responsive. Okay. If a child is an under-responder, so under-responder, they need more of this particular input in their sensory system to register kind of an A-okay, I'm all good point. Okay, so these are the kids and who could be complaining of a strong odor, such perfume, cleaning products, gasoline, but they like it. So they want more of it. These are our sensory seekers. We've talked about this also, that when a person has an under-responsive nervous system, they can have a reaction in an under-responsive way in one of two ways. They can be a sensory seeker, so they need lots and lots of that input in that particular sense to help them feel a-okay. This is somebody who wants to lick everything, who wants to taste everything, who wants to touch everything, puts their tongue on everything, is a sensory seeker who is um, taste sensitive. Um, this is a sensory seeker with taste also can be somebody who really puts lots of salt, wants really strong flavors. They go for the extra hot sauce when you're at the Mexican restaurant. They want to salt and or put way too much pepper on your scrambled eggs because they are seeking more stimuli through that taste sense. Okay. And again, um, these are things that I tackle all the time with parents in my monthly membership. And this is a way for you to bring to me all the different questions you have about your children's sensory systems, taste, and smell. We talk about them all the time. In fact, um, there is a food webinar, a food, it's a training that's available in my monthly membership, and it's about 45 minutes, and you can learn all kinds of information dealing with your child's sense of taste and smell and how that works in um, food for your family. Um, okay, so those are some ways that kids can present to you if they are sensitive in that taste or smell sense. Um, my youngest child is sensitive in a lot of her senses, more than one. And so she is the first one to smell and she will verbalize it. So this is another thing that, you know, she will say, oh, do you smell that? A lot of times I haven't even registered it, but she will say, oh, I smell smoke. It could be a block away or I smell this or I smell that. 
And I like to compliment her on this and say, I am so glad you are a part of our family because this is a way you help me. Mom doesn't have a nose like you do, but you can smell so many things. And that's helpful to us. It's helpful to our family. So a lot of times these kids who have sensitivities are negatively getting a message about themselves. You know, if they have to leave because something smells too strong, if they're visiting grandma and she's had a candle burning in her family room and this child can't go in there. It is smelling too strong right now. Or if this child has to say, grandma, can you please blow out that candle? It's, I just don't like the smell. A lot of these kids are labeled as, oh my goodness, so high maintenance, so difficult, so picky about everything. Why in the world? It's just a candle. You are fine. Again, this child is not fine. This child is smelling that candle at a level that we can't even imagine because our noses don't smell it like that. So I was helping a parent one time and she really could not understand her child's smell sensitivity. So I had her, I, at, at the, I was treating her child. We were at my house in my office. It's close to my garage. So I went in the garage and found the can of gas that's used for the lawnmower. And I opened it up and asked her to put her nose like right up against it. And it was so, I mean, she pulled back. It was so strong to her. And I said, I think this is how your child smells almost everything. And she, it was such a moment of, oh my goodness, I have for a year and a half been telling my child they are fine. So it's again, helping parents realize what that could really feel like in a child's body, because then parents can help their kids in a really different way. Okay. So now I'm going to talk to you about solutions and strategies and just simple ways that if your child is sensitive in their taste or smell, that you can set them up to have success in whatever environment or situation they are in. Uh, okay, the first thing that I want to say is that lack of sleep or other stressors, a rough day at school, these can affect our taste and smell. And again, this is just awareness for you parents to know that for young kids, they have lots of different things landing on their little bodies and it's harder for them to tolerate than they are able to articulate. So if they haven't slept well the night before, or if they have a runny nose, maybe they can't even taste the food. Some of the things can be affecting them and um, will make an impact in how they show up at mealtime or how they um, can navigate. Let's say you want to take them to an art festival, but there's food there too. And so there's going to be lots of smells. But if they haven't had good sleep or they've got congestion or they've got something else going on in their system, they might not tolerate it very well. 
So again, it's just about awareness and then thinking, ooh, maybe maybe today wouldn't be the day to go to that art fair after their poor sleep last night. Let's try it on Sunday instead of Saturday and see if we can have a better better outcome for everybody, right? Because that is my goal. Again, that helping parents know we're going to navigate this so there are no meltdowns. There are no um, disappointments because we couldn't stay at the art fair for longer than 45 minutes because the four-year-old melted down. We're going to know to show up at a better time, a better place, and have a better outcome. Okay, so how to help your kids taste-wise or smell-wise in whatever environment. If, if they have a sensitivity to smell, a lot of times try to get benign smelling things, just neutral, unscented in your home, because this will help prevent overload, overstimulation, and overtaxing to their system. So dish soap, laundry soap, shampoos, lotion. There's all kinds of things you can find at the store that has no no smell. And a lot of times that is so incredibly helpful to a child who has a really sensitive sense of smell. If you are somewhere, anywhere, and the smell is so strong, you just help your child plug their nose um, and say, you know what, this, this could be strong. Here's what we're going to do. So again, with these young kids, our job as parents is to help guide them and teach them. And so teaching them to plug their nose is something they can do for themselves when that smell is too much for them. And if you are at somebody's house, if you as a parent are worried that this could appear rude, a lot of times I will give a heads up or if you're sitting and somebody you're at somebody's house, they're cooking something for dinner. It's a very strong smell for your child. You can just go up and say to, you know, the host or the person whose house you're at, listen, my, you know, Timmy is just super sensitive to smells. And so if he plugs his nose, it is not in any way meaning to be disrespectful to you. It doesn't mean, you know, that we aren't thankful for being here to to have food with you. Like this is just a nuance and kind of the way he's made right now. And he's four and at eight, again, his sensory system might look totally different at eight. It might not even be a thing, but I just, again, want kids to know that, um, the parent will do whatever it takes to try to set them up to have success wherever they, they are. And so it can look like plugging their nose. It can look like, asking for a candle to be um, blown out. It can look like, oh, you know, it's there's so many people in here and there's strong cologne or there's strong perfume. Would you mind if I crack the window or the door for just a minute to allow some fresh air in? Sometimes this can be life-saving for a kid who has sensitivity in their smell. They're like, oh my goodness. And some kids will register smell so strongly that they're, it makes them nauseated. And so you might have to have kind of a system and understanding with your child. Okay. What, what's going to be our sign language that if we go someplace and the smell is too strong that you tell me, like, is it a nose thing? Is it a, 
you know, and then mom and dad can help get your child what they need. Do they need to just step outside? If a window can't be cracked, if a door can't be opened, okay, your child, you're just going to step outside, get some fresh air. Again, we're resetting their system, trying to get back to that A-OK. Their nervous system is safe. They feel fine. So that's our goal. Okay, so um, food-wise, and again, this is all offered in um, a food webinar that you can find in my monthly membership, and I probably need to put it just on the website that you could purchase also. Do not try to introduce new foods, many at one time. If your child has a sensitivity in their taste, they do not want to take in like two or three new foods. It's going to be too much for them, one at a time. And again, I wouldn't introduce a new food on a day when um, they're tired from the night before or they've been out of town all weekend and they've been sleeping in a strange bed or they just started school this week and you're like, okay, new school, new food, not lots of new. No, their body is going to say too much, overload, not safe, not going to go well. So just introduce a new food, you know, a small amount. I give kids a snake bite or a no thank you bite. For my kids, I was always wherever we went anywhere, they had one bite, a no thank you bite. But it could look like if they smelled something, if they got it to their mouth and it seemed, again, alarming, distressful, I do not want to put that in my body. I was like, just a snake bite is where you stick out your tongue quickly to just touch that food is what a snake bite is. And so either of those would would work. I would be fine with that um, if they are served something, you know, um, if we're having dinner out. Again, I'm just, I want to give my kids opportunity to listen to their body, what it is saying. And then, okay, here, somebody placed this food on your plate. Let's take a bite, take a spoonful, and then take a small bite. No, thank you. I don't care for that. can be mannerly. It can be a way that, again, in a healthy way, you are saying, I don't care for this. Or a snake bite, quickly touching it and saying, no, thank you. This would be fine. Okay. The other thing that I wanted to say about this is just... Again, really knowing that your kids are, their bodies are automatically trying to help them. So for mealtime, I always prepared, I had one food that every child would eat. Did that mean a little bit more work for me? Probably, but eating begets eating. So in my food webinar, you can find this, but when kids start to eat, they will usually eat more and they might try or eat more of a little thing that they really aren't crazy about. So that was my intent of always having something that each of my kids liked. Your kids can be sensitive to condiments. Your kids can be sensitive to salad dressings, all these different areas And so, again, um, I had um, one of my kids liked balsamic vinaigrette on their salmon. That's fine. What do you need? How can I support you eating this food? Um, And, again, I want to 
let kids tell me what they need to know what their body is saying. And then I want to try to honor that if I can, so that they are eating and getting food. One of the things that I say to parents a lot is that it is really not their job to force your child to eat. And kids do need water, but they can go with less food than we think. And so again, this is a really tricky subject. It goes back to a lot of how parents were raised. I don't, didn't, don't have a rule in my home that you have to clean your plate. Again, I wanted my kids to know their stomach is telling them they are full. I want them to listen to their body instead of listening to their mom say, you know, clean this plate no matter what. I don't care if you're full. I don't care if you don't like that vegetable you eat it. I don't want to override those systems because God put those systems in place for their safety and their care. And I want them to listen to them at a young age. So they're listening to their body when it's 12. So they'll listen to that body when they're 18 years old and they're at college by themselves. And my daughter is at night trying to leave a test. I want her to listen to what her body is saying because it will keep her safe. And so again, we're putting in place things right now in regard to their senses and listening to our bodies, but it's, we're playing that long game of when we listen and help our kids listen to their bodies at these young ages, they're going to listen to their body when they're older. They're going to listen to their body when they're picking a career and they're like, oh, I'm not going to be a lifeguard at the beach because I'm sensitive in touch and I don't like touching sand and this wouldn't be a good career for me. So can you see how all of the information, all of the sensory system and understanding it and helping your kids set themselves up for success now at age four and five with their sensory system, how it's going to build and continue on to support them and help them just know themselves and figure out who they need to be. And remember that it's God's purpose for our kids, not ours. I know a lot of times it's just easier for them to just follow our plan and our purpose for our children. But God put them here for his purpose for them. And they are built with an automatic system to keep them safe and that tells them about themselves. So I want your kids to hear it, to listen to it and think, oh, that doesn't work for me. And because of that, I can't do this when I'm 12. I can't pick a career like that when I'm 20. And I can't take that vacation with my family when I'm 40. So this is how it just, again, that long game, how it's going to play out. Okay. Next week, we're going to talk about that interoceptive sense. And that is one that most people are like, wait, what? Huh? I've never heard of it. So I have more information. You can find me at Instagram at Kelly K. Shoup. You can find me on my website, kellykshoup.com. Join my membership. I'm also available for a one-on-one quick consultation call. What's going on? What do you need help with? I can help you. Did you like what you heard in this episode? 
If you did, please share it with a friend and be sure and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Reviews are always appreciated. As a reminder, my show is also on YouTube. In YouTube, search for Kelly K. Shoup. That's K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P. Be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell for all notifications. To learn more about my work, helping families, or to contact me, go to kellykshoop.com. Again, that's kellykshoop.com. Thanks so much 